0: Welcome to You Heard It Here First, helping you discover the best that Audible has to offer. I'm Imreelle Morgan, and I'm back with some brilliant recommendations of great audiobooks, podcasts, dramas, and more. And while I love telling you all about my favorites, I want to hear what you've been loving too. We'll be featuring some of your reviews and asking to hear what you've been enjoying in our listeners' corner. So let's get started and help you find your next listen to dive into. First up is our featured customer review, where we highlight some of your feedback from the Audible website. This series, we're bringing you not one, but two reviews for the same book, so you can decide if it's worth downloading. This week's review is for Atomic Habits by James Clear. Our first review comes from Uncle, who left this five-star review on Audible's website.
1: I started with flossing my teeth. First of all, I want to thank James Clear for simplifying the science of habits. I've been in and out of hospital for the past three years because of depression, amongst other things. I got diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, which made it hard to focus on the small habits in life. Everything from my mouth hygiene to sleeping was out of order, and even my psychologist was struggling to get me back on track. I started with flossing my teeth. Now I wake up early, I work, I do yoga. I'm slowly building up my life again, and his book is one of the tools that helped me do that.
0: Okay, this sounds great. Let's hear this three-star review from Nidika.
2: Engaging and interesting, but nothing stuck with me. Whilst I was listening, I found the book thought-provoking and engaging. I saved lots of sections. However, now that I've finished it, I can't seem to remember one strategy or point apart from the stacking method, because I use that for everything. I will listen again, but at this point I feel it doesn't contain any idea that stood out and inspired me personally or really helped me to break this habit and figure it out. One size never fits all. But never mind, it was read really nicely. A huge thank you to Uncle and
0: Nidaka for those reviews. If you'd like to find out for yourself if you can create a habit that sticks, you can find Atomic Habits by James Clear on Audible. Each week, we'll be picking out different reviews from Audible's website to see what you've been loving. So keep listening, and you might find your own review here. Up next, we've got a new release. This week, I've been loving the Audible original podcast, Tan France's Queer Icons. Now, I absolutely loved this podcast. It was everything I wanted and more. Tan France is most famously known for being one of the Fab Five from the makeover show Queer Eye. In this Audible original, he takes us on an exploration of queer history, celebrating the trailblazers that have fought for the rights of the LGBTQIA community, past and present. It's a whistle-stop tour of the individuals who dare to live their best authentic lives to the fullest, which paved the way for queer people to come. There are eight episodes and they were released in one go, which is great for a binger like me as I devoured it in a day. Each episode focuses on one queer icon and delves into their life, the challenges they faced and the impact they made. We hear about people like Gladys Bentley, a gender non-conforming queen of the Harlem Renaissance, who wore tuxedos and sang some very raunchy songs. And Dr. Evelyn Hooker, a psychologist and an incredible ally whose research led to significant changes in how psychology views and treats gay people. It's as much revelatory as it is shocking. All of the icons were so busy doing such amazing things. And in fact, we have got the inside scoop from the producer about the icon Bobby Lee Bennett. On top of being an activist, private investigator and mother, she started her own record label and recorded a song called Heartbreak on the I-10, a love song about the dangers of drugs. Where did she find the time to found her own record label and record a song? Incredible. Each episode is packed full of interviews from historians and academics to families and loved ones who all admired the icons. In addition to giving us a 360-degree view of the icons, Tan does a fabulous job of breaking down terms and phrases that are commonly used by the queer community. A great example came from the episode on William Dorsey Swan, where we learn about the origins of the term cakewalk. Let's go to a clip.
1: You may have already heard the term cakewalk, but did you know a cakewalk was actually a term that originated among enslaved people in America? No? Well, it was sort of a competition to see who would walk the most gracefully. The winner won a cake, but let me make it clear, it definitely wasn't a Victoria sponge at all.
3: It's cornmeal and water, usually cooked in a fire that's either in the stove or on the ground, you know, and you put the ashes over the cake to cook it. It's very simple and not what we think of as a cake. There was lots of improvisation, and the walking really was the most inventive dancing that you can imagine. And it was also a social commentary because it was most often used in the slavery era essentially to ridicule the elite.
1: The cakewalk, initially called the prize walk, was basically a means of piss taking.
0: I had no idea. It honestly tickled me to learn this. What makes this podcast great is that it's so well-rounded. The research is excellent and you come away having learnt loads about the community and those that influenced it. What makes it even better is that we also learn just how much more needs to be done, like in Yo-Yo's episode which highlights the criminalization of the LGBTQIA plus community in Malaysia and the struggles they face on a daily basis. I found myself googling how to be a better ally for this community. I feel this show is so much more than a podcast. It is a documentary and an audio drama with beautiful anecdotes from Tan and the wild things he's done in the past, but also the challenges of being gay, South Asian and Muslim in Doncaster. He is the perfect host for the show. Not only is he empathetic, he has such a warm and chatty personality that makes you want to carry on listening. What really took this podcast to the next level was the stunning soundscapes that ran through it, bespoke to each legend. With Gladys Bentley, smooth jazz and husky voices were playing, taking me to a smoky bar in the 1920s. In Yo-Yo's episode, punk rock and angst were mixed throughout to pay tribute to their rocking band, which is sending shockwaves in Malaysia. Tan's podcast is amazing and a must-listen. I just wish there were more than eight episodes. Fingers crossed for a second series. You can find Tan France's Queer Icons podcast on Audible's website today. Welcome to our Hidden Gems section of the show. For every episode, I dig through the Audible app to find something great that you may have previously missed. And the oldie but goodie I've decided to share with you this week is The Dreamweavers by Barbara Erskine. The Dreamweavers was a spellbinding listen and is one for those interested in the supernatural. Barbara Erskine is known for her historically gripping novels and this one doesn't fail to impress. The novel begins by introducing us to Bee, who has the gift of communicating with spirits and seeing into the past. Bee meets a historical author called Simon Armstrong, who keeps hearing the cries of a woman in the cottage he is renting with his children. And that's where the story really begins. While investigating the source of the cries, Bee becomes connected to this spirit and quickly finds herself entangled in the life of a Saxon princess. Her connection to the princess grows stronger and inevitably leads to danger to both herself and those around her.
1: Let's hear a clip. Is that what this was all about? A Celtic prince, an Anglo-Saxon princess, and a modern-day historian who had inadvertently conjured up the past? Hardly able to breathe as the full realization of what she had seen dawned on her, B scrambled to her feet and reached for her notebook. Never trust your memory. Memory is the most fallible part of what you do. First impressions and recall are vital. Always write things down. She remembered the words she had learned at her first lecture on psychometry, what her teacher had referred to as time travel. Meditation with the stone she had picked up from Simon's front garden had taken her to a royal palace on the flatlands near a river, in the shadow of a long, low hill. The stone had taken her back to the presence of Offa and his family, into the heart of the Nest of Vipers. You can tell
0: Erskine has done her research as it is packed full of Anglo-Saxon history and the kings and queens of 775 AD Mercia. This was one of the kingdoms in the Anglo-Saxon time period, which we now know as the Midlands. These visions of the past are where we meet our Saxon princess, Edva, who is longing to be reunited with her Welsh prince after being banished from ever seeing him again. Desire and revenge are definitely the dominant themes in this book. We witness Edba and her aide Nesta conjuring spells and curses to kill those that get in their way, and with the immense power they both have, who knows what they could do to B? The book frequently jumps between the past and the present, oftentimes making it a disorientating listen. If you're not paying attention, you could find yourself completely lost. It's doubly confusing as to whether B is in the present or dreaming of the past, but I think it's intentional as it shows her losing grip of reality. Like Bee, you'll find yourself obsessed with wanting to find out what happens to Edba and her long-lost prince. The ghostly visions that Bee had were so vividly portrayed and quite chilling that it made me question noises in my own flat. The author Erskine has had very real ghostly experiences, including in her current home in Colchester, where she's been privy to a host of ghost sightings, including a Highland terrier that's been seen by several visitors. You can now tell why she's so good at writing ghost stories. The book has lots of compelling supporting characters, like Bee's husband Mark, a priest who can't be seen to be connected with Bee's supernatural side hustle, and Sandra, a nosy colleague who is a complete nuisance to both Bee and Mark and adds some suspense to the plot. And we can't forget to mention the landscape where the story is based. The setting of the English-Welsh borders is beautifully described and seems so lush and green. It almost got me booking a staycation there. If you're looking for a thriller, this novel isn't the book for you. However, I would say it is a love story between two lost souls mixed with a supernatural expert stuck between the past and present. If you love love stories of witchcraft, potions and historical fiction, you'll probably really enjoy spending time listening to this. It's a great nighttime listen with a cup of tea or one for a long journey. The narrator, Jilly Bond, has such a calming voice. She really does whisk your way into the story. The Dreamweavers by Barbara Erskine is on Audible now. And on You Heard It Here First, I'm not the only one who loves recommending great new things to you. Joining me every week in the studio will be an editor from Audible and a very special guest to tell me about the books they've been enjoying. And this week we're starting off with an interview with Audible editor Francis Earlam. Hi Francis.
4: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Can you tell us about the book you've chosen for us today?
4: Yes, I've chosen the Meaningful Money Handbook, which is written by Pete Matthew. It's a book that he's written based on the podcasts that he's done for years and years, I think. The reason why I wanted to listen to this book is because I've realised that I am not very financially literate and that I really should be by my age. Um, <laughs> so when work starts asking you about how much you want to pay into your pension and you come to realise that actually you don't know that much about pensions or what you should really be doing. And so I started joining some money forums and through there I learned about Pete Matthew and the Meaningful Money podcasts. And I thought that the handbook would be a great place to start.
0: Yeah, I really liked it compared to other books I've read about money, which are very foundational in that they're just starting the conversation whereas I felt like this book definitely was really practical and like these are the terms you need to understand about like life insurance and your pensions and you know if you get ill what happens and I was like whoa I have not ever thought about this so yeah I really appreciated that. Who do you think is the target listener for this type of book?
4: I like the way that Pete has distilled his advice or his book into kind of three areas. So really, you could dip in depending on what stage of life you are or where you're at in in the kind of financial journey. So the beginning is really about living within your means. So not spending more than you earn and Mm -hmm. thinking about how you might want to get out of debt. and, And that could really apply at any point, really. So I think if you come out of school and you know nothing, this will be great. If you've come out and you've started earning and you've gone through pitfalls, this is still a really good place to go to, to learn things properly and create a better foundation for you doing better financially in life. Mm. Or if you're thinking about perhaps retirement or trying to understand ices, all these type of things.
0: There is a little bit of something for everyone, for sure. Was there a standout moment in the book for you? A moment that you're like, oh, this is just pure gold. This is what I needed to hear today.
4: I think at the very beginning of the book where he's talking about how to think about your finances and the steps that you should go through. If you only listen to that bit. I think it will cause you to really think about what you need to do with your finances and that it's not something to shy away from. It's not something to stick your head in the sand about that it's worth picking up and looking at what you're doing. It's only going to benefit you.
5: Amazing. Let's hear a clip. Three, invest wisely. Those are just two little words with a massive amount of detail behind them. By far the number one question I get asked is how to get started with investing. Learning how to budget and getting out of debt is actually pretty straightforward, as you'll see shortly. But when it comes to putting money away for the future, we are presented with a bewildering array of options, which often means we end up doing nothing. How much do you invest for the short term? How much for the long term? Should you use a pension or an ISA or both? But again, most people just need to do a few things consistently. I'll cut through all of the complexity by giving you simple solutions that will work for you no matter what your current circumstances.
0: I think that advice is extremely useful and extremely valuable. I would love to know if there was anything you didn't like about the book or something you would change or improve.
4: I did think at times, does this book apply to everybody or are we talking to the majority who perhaps are not being insignificant? debt. Mm-hmm. I guess I was thinking about, well, if I was listening to this in my earlier years, I would just be like, well, no, I can't save any money. How, uh, how do you want me to do that? I've got rent going out and this going out. And Where do you think I'm going to find these extra pennies to create an emergency fund? And perhaps it would be nice to spend a bit more time on that and understand that.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair enough that, you know, it, is really challenging for some people. And I definitely can relate to going through life and not being able to afford certain things or, you know, living in London, paying rent and earning very little money that it's just absolutely impossible to not spend beyond what you're making. Hopefully the majority of people will take something away. And like you said, it's about taking the information on and using it when it's applicable to you and your journey and where you're at and that stage in life. Why should people download this book?
4: I really enjoyed listening to this book as I went about and did things as we have talked about hesitating and not actually going forth and doing what you need to do I could easily have put off reading this book but being able to listen to it meant that I could listen to it as I potted around as I did the washing up as I was doing things and the information was seeping in I do think there are parts of this book where you do need to concentrate but overall, I could feel that knowledge seeping in and my thoughts moving on. And I haven't had to sit down for six or seven hours and work my way through several hundred hours of podcasts <laughs> that he's done.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Frances. No problem. The Meaningful Money Handbook by Pete Matthew was Francis's Pick of the Week. You can find it on the Audible website. And hoping to equally impress us with their pick is a special guest,
2: author Lex Croucher. Hello, Lex. Hi. Can you briefly share with us who you are and what you do? So my name is Lex Croucher. I'm from London. I have a background in the social media world, but I'm also the author of Reputation, which is my debut novel.
0: How exciting. Can you tell us what you've chosen to recommend today?
2: Yes, it is One Last Stop by Casey McQuiston, read by Natalie Nordis what made you pick this book? I picked it because Casey's writing is swoony and energetic. And it is full of like really funny dialogue and banter and casts of characters that just bounce off each other really well. And young people who actually talk like young people, which I think is sometimes quite rare, because the book is new adults. So the characters are kind of in their early 20s and -hmm. really like discovering themselves and figuring out who they are. And doing it In a very witty, amusing way.
0: Amazing. Did you feel the narrator, Natalie Nordus, was a good match for the book? Because she's got quite a distinct voice.
2: Yes. I mean, I don't read like a lot of romance in general. And when I do, it tends to be more kind of rom-com stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's just this sexy romantic tone to Natalie. That sounds really weird. Mm, It's kind of
0: husky, right? It's like a very like husky, whispery voice. I really like those kinds of voices.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I'm quite fussy when it comes to audiobook narrators. And I think it's really hard when you're reading something that's romance or a rom-com to have characters fit the idea in your head and have them feel attractive to you in the same way. Mm. Because I think if it's the wrong voice, then you might be like, oh, I don't actually fancy this character anymore. But I feel (laughs) like, I feel like with Natalie Nordis, like, I fancied the voices. (laughs) Okay,
0: fair enough. A scoop. I love that. (laughs) Your debut book, Reputation, also looks at Wonderful friendships and also celebrates queer characters. How did you feel about the LGBTQIA plus community's representation in this novel in particular?
2: I feel like the book really captures the group dynamic of living in New York and obviously being surrounded by, you know, there's a very strong queer community in New York and it's very realistic while also encompassing lots of different identities. And I think there's a tendency for people to be like, oh, you know, you're just ticking boxes or whatever, but actually queer people tend to find other queer people. This idea that there'd be all these people with different identities and different sexualities living together and finding each other and creating a community is actually very realistic. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
0: Was there any moment in the book that really stood out for you and just made you stop what you were doing and you're like, oh, this is a beautiful moment?
2: Definitely the moment where August, who is the protagonist, and Jane, who is the love interest, first meet. Because I think it was just a perfect description of what it's like when you develop a crush on somebody, they meet on the subway. And I think there's this, this thing about these very transient crushes that you get on people that are a very small part of your day, but become like a regular part of your day. Mm -hmm. And the kind of glimpse that you get of them and the idea that you build of them and the details that you notice about them. And I just thought that was like
3: perfectly captured. Amazing. Let's hear a clip. She looks up, expecting some scraggly man to match the long legs and ripped jeans in front of her. But instead, instead, long legs is a girl, all devastating cheekbones and jawline and golden brown skin. Her black hair is short and swoopy and pushed back from her forehead, and she's quirking an eyebrow at August. There's a white t-shirt tucked into the ripped jeans, and a well-loved black leather jacket settled on her shoulders like she was born in it. Yikes, she says, gesturing at August's shirt, where the coffee stain has soaked in and spread, which is the last possible reason August wants this girl to be looking at her boobs. The hottest girl August has ever seen just took one look at her and said, Yikes. She can't believe a tall, butch subway angel saw her crying into her coffee tits. Here, the girl says, handing the scarf over. You seem like you're going somewhere important, so... She gestures vaguely at her neck. Keep it. Yeah, I really liked that
0: moment as well. I think what you said about the book in general around these really quite nice descriptions that feel very realistic and relatable and that's what I really enjoyed about the book in addition to really just enjoying Natalie's voice (laughs) but I would love 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 to know a little bit more about your book reputation what can you share about it and what can people look forward
2: to Well, Reputation is a book about a young woman in the Regency era who moves to a new town to live with her aunt and uncle. And she is desperate to be like one of the heroines in her novels. And she falls in with the local wealthy high society crowd and gets up to all sorts of mischief and debauchery, uh, wild parties, encounters with men in wine cellars. Yeah, well, (laughs) but then when her her social status improves, she kind of risks becoming more of a villain than a heroine. I pitch it as Mean Girls and Gossip Girl crossed with Pride and Prejudice and Emma. So it's got the feel of a naughty's rom-com, but with a Regency setting.
0: First of all, this sounds incredible. You've just listed two of my favourite, well, showed slash movie. So this sounds delicious. Circling back to one last stop before we round off the interview. Author Casey McQuiston said she accidentally wrote a quarantine book due to the themes of isolation and feeling trapped and then emerging back into society Do you agree? And has it made you want to get back out into the world?
2: I mean, I definitely agree because Jane, uh, I mean, I don't know if we've even covered the fact that Jane, the love interest, is displaced in time and only exists on the subway. (laughs) But living her life on the subway, she at least gets to meet lots of interesting people, which I feel like is the thing that's been missing from my life. So like Mm. I, today I made friends with someone behind the Waterstones counter and then like the guy in Waitrose. And I was like, I've really been missing those interactions with other human beings where you just make a really brief friendship and then say farewell. It has definitely made me want to party in New York. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I feel like that's a safe enough dream for me. You know, it's like, I'm not going to be in New York anytime. So I can just just daydream about going out to like drag brunch and stuff in New York and hopefully someday that will come true.
0: Thank you so much Lex this has been delightful. Thank you. One last stop by Casey McQuiston was Lex Croucher's recommendation. Remember you can find it on Audible's website where you can also find Lex's debut novel Reputation. Here on You Heard It Here First, we love to show you the best on offer from Audible, and I've got a great treat for you in this next section. It's time to hear a clip from Audible Sessions. Audible Sessions is another podcast from the Audible team where they bring in some of your favourite authors to talk about their new releases and exciting new projects. This week's featured clip comes from John Cooper-Clark. John is the People's Poet Laureate and a punk performance poet. He talks to Holly Newson about putting his poems to music.
1: Over the years, you've had a lot of your
0: poetry turned into lyrics and and things like that, and as as part of music as well.
5: That's right, fantastic. You're talking about the Arctic Monkeys there, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, wonderful uh, job there. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, a poem is not a song. If I could write songs, I would write songs. It's a great engine of wealth, everybody likes a song. (laughs) But poetry is perceived to be a a more uh, rarefied and minority pursuit. The way Alex Alex Turner with his prodigious mezzo-baritone has converted that deeply uh, sincere love ode written on the Feast of St. Valentine to my present wife back then when in our courting days directly from my heart to her. He took this poem and by adding a few little uh, middle eights here and there, not doing very much by virtue as I say of his mezzo-baritone. He uh, made it into a a powerful uh, love ballad, and that's the art of it. I wish wish I'd done it like that all along. (laughs) It's uh, fabulous. One of the high points of my life, uh, having him do that.
0: Would you look at that? He's a poet on paper and also on the mic. I loved it. If you want even more John Cooper Clark, you can find his full Audible session on the Audible website or on the app, where you can also find his memoir, I Want to Be Yours, like the Arctic Monkeys song. and finally it's time for our listeners corner which means i get to hear from one of you about a book podcast or play you love this week our recommendation comes from Oluwa toyin for run and hide by alan mcdermott here's what she thought i am Oluwa toyin my recommendation on audible is run and hide by alan mcdermott it is the first book in the series by the author the book is enthralling from start to finish with thrilling moments in the life of the characters. We join Eva Driscoll, ex-US agent, as she stops at nothing in a quest to avenge and to unravel the mystery and conspiracies behind a brother's death. The book is absolutely thought-provoking and a must-read. Ooh, an action thriller with a female lead. Great recommendation, Oloa As a thank you, we're sending you two Audible credits to download anything you like from the Audible website or app. If you're ready for an adventure, you can find Run and Hide by Alan McDermott on Audible Now, along with the other books in the series. And for your chance to win some credits, why not send us a review too? Just send us a short message telling us about something you've loved and you might get featured here and sadly that's all for this week's you heard it here first in case you missed any of the titles we recommended today here they are again Atomic Habits by James Clear Tan France's Queer Icons The Dreamweavers by Barbara Erskine The Meaningful Money Handbook by Pete Matthew One Last Stop by Casey McQueeston, Reputation by Lex Croucher John Cooper Clark's Audible Session Run and Hide by Alan McDermott Remember, you can catch up with us in between episodes on social media. Take a picture of your favourite or current listen and tag at yhihfpod on Instagram or, if Twitter is more your thing, follow us at yhihfpod. You've been listening to You Heard It Here First, an Audible original produced by Content Is Queen, presented by me, Imriel Morgan, and featuring Francis Erlem and Lex Croucher. Additional voices by Richard Hodson and Nazara Morgan. It was produced by Ellie Clifford and Amber Miller, Original music was by Seth Bradford. For Audible, the executive producer was Holly Newson. The production executive was Hayley Nathan. And the commissioning editor was Kent DePinto.